Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness, a daily podcast devoted to spirituality and self-help. If you're new, I want to welcome you. If you're returning, welcome back. So today we have with us Miss Matchmaker Maria, who is here to talk to us about all things matchmaking. So I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. So welcome, Maria. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Melissa. Yeah. So I'm really curious about what it is that you do. So maybe you can just start off by telling us a little bit about you and how it is that you work with people. Sure. Well, I'm a fourth generation matchmaker and I'm the owner of Agape Match, which is a matchmaking service based in New York City. Although we do take clients across the country and in Canada, depending on the program, of course. Um, I also give a lot of dating advice, no nonsense dating advice on my Instagram and TikTok, and I'm the host of the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Very, very cool. So I'd like to know more about this because I've never worked with a matchmaker before. Mm -hmm. Most people haven't. (laughs) Yeah. And so I don't even have any idea how this works because when I think of matchmaker, I think Mm -hmm. of, you know, my friends setting me up on a blind date and I have done that in the past and that did not go well. So how, well, friends can make different. really bad matchmakers Yeah, um, because they know you yeah. and, you know, it's kind of weird. Um, sometimes with friends, it's just like association, like, oh, you're gay and single. Well, Jerry's gay and single. Let's set you two up. Or, oh, you know, Melissa's single. So is Tom. And, oh, you're, you're both from, I don't know where you're from, Massachusetts. It's like the word association matchmaking is usually what friends do. And and I actually don't even set up my friends. I hate setting up my friends for that exact reason. Cause it's like, oh, I know too much. I just want to see like a third party, um, you know, out, outlook on this. And, and that's what a professional matchmaker does, which is they try to take all of the information that a friend would not know. You know, like you think about more about your values and you think more about your chemistry and your temperament and your compatibility. And you try to make sense of it of like, okay, who would they not meet on their day-to-day that they could meet within my network as a matchmaker? Very interesting. So walk us through, like, what would be a typical, let's say a client comes to you, Mm -hmm. how do you start and, and what exactly do you do? How do you take them through that process of finding somebody? So let's say someone was interested in hiring me as a matchmaker. First off, my company typically only takes men as clients. If a woman is hell-bent on using us, we can always have that conversation or we can refer her to a colleague that specializes in women. Um, Women are, of course, free to join our database or enroll in one of our coaching programs, which does have a pretty high success rate. It's about 90% success rate. Um, But when a man joins, what we would then do is set up a consultation. And what that that includes, I'm so sorry, pausing for a second. So after a man enrolls, he would then be contacted by our chief operating officer, Louie. You know, it's great to have a male matchmaker on our staff because you get a male perspective and there's a different kind of understanding when it comes to dating. And then from there, if Louie feels like we're a fit, you know, between my company, my team and them, then we would set up another consultation, which would be with me. Um, And then from there, we try to determine like, okay, hey, what are you looking for? What are your values? What does your three-year plan and five-year plan look like? Who would you love to meet? Who do you think you'd be in a great relationship with? 
And if we're not the right matchmaking service for you, we will refer you to the right matchmaking service. That's actually something that we love doing as matchmakers. Your, you know, your first match has to be with your matchmaker. And what we're going to do is after we get to know you a little bit, we're going to either take you on as a client or send you to the right matchmaking service that can take you on as a client because you know, matchmakers are mostly limited by their database and their emotional bandwidth. You know, my company, for instance, we only take 10 clients at a time at any given point. I only take 10 clients. So, um, so as a result, you know, our emotional bandwidth, even though we have three matchmakers, you know, we do try to give our clients two to three matches a month. We try to get most of our clients and it's usually a six month contract. We'll try to get our clients in a relationship within three months. So, it's a lot to manage. If you think about that, I have to meet every single match one-on-one and, and, um, you know, and then of course, if someone is, you know, gay or lesbian, we'll again, refer them. If we can't take them on, we'll refer them to the right matchmaking service that can take them on for what they are requesting. So I think it's really interesting because you said you're a fourth generation match. Mm-hmm. So obviously the process must look quite different now than it did for your parents and I think that's really fascinating. So did you always know you wanted to do this because- No, I am a fourth generation matchmaker. Technically my mother was not a professional matchmaker, although she has worked for me, but her mother and her grandmother's mother, they were matchmakers. And essentially what I do is very different than what they do. I never thought I would go into matchmaking. I have a very expensive graduate degree from NYU in global affairs, which proves that I thought I would go into the foreign service instead um, while I was in graduate school. So I, you know, I, I used to have all of the really cool wine parties in my apartment during undergrad and people would always be meeting their boyfriends or girlfriends at my birthday parties or whatever party I was hosting. Um, I've always been a natural connector. Um, eventually, you know, I would be in grad school and I started like a little networking party for people that were working in international relations, thinking this will be a great way to extend my network. I'm, I'm a 23 year old. I just need to know people so I can get a job one day at the UN or in the foreign service or foreign affairs or whatever. And instead, very quickly, within two months, people were like, hey, can you introduce me to this person? Or, hey, I heard about you this. And it would end up at no point in my life did I ever think I would be in the dating industry prior to it happening. But when it did happen, it was like, oh, okay, here we are. Yes, this makes this is this makes complete sense. Of course I'm here right now. And it's very different than what my grandparents did versus what I do. You know, my grandparents, they were the community leaders of their little villages who were really good at making coffee, which means which meant people would come over and, you know, sip some Greek coffee. Uh, the way coffee is drunk in Greece is very slowly, you know, it's a conversation distraction. So, you know, a typical coffee takes about 60 to 90 minutes to drink. We're talking about coffees that are in a small espresso cup, right? <laughs> that would take 90 minutes to drink. So when you have that sort of communication um, flexibility with coffee, uh, you also hear a lot of secrets. And my grandmother and her mother, I assume as well, were really good at secret keeping so that eventually when would come time to marry off their children and matchmaking was a very popular way to meet someone prior to 19, 1975 in Greece. Um, you know, it just, you just met, it was just, your, your family was just outsourcing something to someone that you knew, knew everything around the community. So for instance, one thing that my grandmother would do is she would make sure that, you know, let's say the person who has this olive tree 
farm acres, like on one side of the village, they're not marrying another person who also has the same acreage next to them because then they would monopolize that little economy in that village. So there's this sort of diplomacy that exists in what my grandmother did. And did she get paid with cash money? Uh, probably not. I'm pretty sure she got paid in goats and eggs and, you know, maybe a small little stipend. Whereas I, I get paid up front for the hope that you start dating someone <laughs> while we're working together. And I hope you get married. So it's, it's very different. You know, my, my grandmother, my grandparents, they were establishing essentially courtship and which is very different than what dating is today, especially modern dating where you're just meeting complete strangers who maybe share the same religion, a height preference and a zip code. So it's just a very different compared to what my grandparents did. Yeah, I, I'm sure probably many people out there have had experience with the online dating apps and know what a disaster those can be sometimes because- they can be sometimes, but you know, they've worked for millions of people too. So I don't, I'm not, I don't hate on them or anything. I just do because I'm familiar with them. So. Yeah, I get it. I totally, it's, it's very frustrating. I totally get it, especially now. Yeah. But that's why I think it's very interesting that you do what you do, because if someone's out there who says, you know, I'm really frustrated with just meeting people on the surface level, mm -hmm. not really getting to know people, you're more skilled at matching them with someone who has a lot more interest. And it's kind of like, you have those dating sites who will say, we match you on 20 different personal level or whatever it is. And I think that it's still kind of hard to do that through just a computer. So you mentioned earlier, you talk to the match and you talk to your client. So you get to know them both, which I think is interesting. And you think that that really helps you to determine whether that person is, is really a good fit for your client? I think so. Um, you know, we do as much, I don't know about other services, but I know at Agape Match, we do as much cross-matching as possible. So we want to make sure that our client is a match, not only for the match that we've selected, but that match is also wants to meet our client, right? We want to make sure that that's a, that is a cross-match. And sometimes I think what online dating sites get wrong, as much as their algorithms, you know, are designed in a, you know, really well, there is this energy element and there is this body language chemistry element that unfortunately an AI is just never going to be able to comprehend or smell or understand. Like I don't, as long as we're not all spitting or giving blood to OkCupid, there is always going to be that element of like, okay, do we get on? And I'm not saying that we do that, but there is a human meeting you and who can attest to your temperament, who can attest to the energy that's coming off of that conversation. And I think that can look really differently. Do you, you, you talk about energy, which I think is so very important. And I think that's a big, um, a big factor in how you get along with people and how you can read people. Do you think that you do that a lot. You use the reading people's energy and helping to determine whether someone is a match for your client. I, I, um, I feel like that is a big part of my job. So, you know, we have a database of thousands of people to look at. We're going to use some quantitative data first to select who we want to actually meet in person or over Zoom now because of the pandemic. 
And so some of those quantitative data, that's why it's so important. If you sign up with a matchmaking service, fill out that entire profile is, you know, what age range do you want to date in? What ethnicities are you open to dating? What religious preferences do you have? How important is that to you? Would you date someone with children? These are really quantitative data that we need at start, right? And then from there, it's like, okay, based on this quantitative data, okay, it meets hundred percent. Now it's the qualitative and qualitative has, has to do more with your lifestyle and things that I need to learn more about. Like when you go on vacation, what do you, how do you like to go on vacation? You know, there are some people who wouldn't dream of doing anything, but an Airbnb or a hostel and living like a local for 10 days. And there's other people who want to stay at the four seasons and have the $10,000 spa experience over a weekend. And both of these experiences are valid. Are these people compatible with each other? Because I know that's a vacation example, but those things do translate in the day-to-day, right? So much of your lifestyle is your financial compatibility and how not only do you value your money, but how do you value the way you spend your time and your off time? So, you know, these are the things that I think of match that, that I think that we try to figure out that might not come from a hinge.com, you know, a hinge app profile prompt. Um, you know, another thing that we would ask for instance is also, um, you know, how important is someone's, someone being career oriented or their education? And, you know, there are some, a lot of women who are Ivy league educated might tell me he also has to be Ivy league educated. Whereas for men, for a lot of men, they don't care. They, I mean, there are definitely a significant portion of men who do care, but the majority they don't care. They say stuff like, you know, it'd be great if she's college educated, but it's more important that she's passionate about something, has a hobby, whatever. And they use different language. Are these people a match? They still are. They might be a match. It's also about kind of recognizing your expectations too, of like, what are you about to experience? And that's another thing that I think as matchmakers, we try to do because, you know, I've met plenty of women who might say to me, Maria, I would never date a man who has a child. Okay. But if I told you about my client, if I gave you a little bit more context about his life, And, you know, he does come with a kid, but he has a great co-parenting relationship. Are you still going to say no? And if I, you know, especially if a woman is over 35, are you still going to say no? Because a lot of great men that are in the age range you want to date, and they might already be single dads who want to have more kids. So, you know, a lot of my job is not only just like energy understanding and lifestyle understanding, it's also being the cheerleader for and advocating for my client, but also his matches, right? There are times where I'll say, oh my God, this match is amazing. Please just like, you know, I know it says something off here, but it doesn't matter. Like everything else just is really great. And I think you should meet them. And this actually did happen. I had a client who was um, of Indian descent and he wanted to meet someone who was also Indian, which is fine. We have half of my clients are Indian. We're very popular among that community. Um, But I met a woman who um, she was from Venezuela and she was really incredible. And she shared a lot of his lifestyle and outlook on life and their values were the same. And I said, Hey, can I just, can I just set you up on this date? Like, I think she's incredible. I think your mom could love her because, you know, to be honest, the reason why most of us limit ourselves to certain subcultures, because we think of our parents and, you know, they fell in love and they got married and she's really close with her in-laws. And I know she's an exception if someone here is listening to that, but you know, it can happen. And, and I believe in, I believe in that stuff. That's really a cool story. So I'm really curious too about your podcast because you said that Mm -hmm. you have a podcast. What kinds of things do you talk about on the podcast and and how do you help people um, through your podcast? 
Well, thank you for that question. It's so sweet of you to talk about my podcast on your podcast. Um, so I host Ask a Matchmaker podcast. The new episodes drop every Wednesday. And what I like to do is sometimes bring, I always like to bring a special guest. Um, it's usually an expert in their field. And what we'll do is we'll talk a little bit more about their expertise and then usually take one or two questions from our listeners. It's usually audio and we'll answer those questions together. Sometimes I'll also have a friend on to go over closure letters. So we receive a lot, many closure letters or rants from our listeners and we'll read them on the air and comment on them. And for the people that do send it to us, it's like kind of a relief, like, oh, now, you know, like it, we always say, send us that email you're writing that you want to send to your ex-boyfriend, send it to us instead. Like, we'll we'll get it out there. He'll, you know, I don't know if you'll hear it, but we'll get it out there and it'll feel really cathartic, but don't send an email to this person. Cause guess what? They, they, you're never going to get the closure you think you are. Cause he's never going to respond. <laughs> so, you know, this, this is what we do instead. It's like, it's a nice service. We do that. I've been doing it once a month, but I'm, I'm considering it doing it every other week because it's, it's actually become quite popular. That's really funny that you do that. I mean, I think that's a really awesome thing because there are so many people who make that mistake and send that ranting email or or, yeah. or whatever that, like you said, don't get the response that they thought they were going to, and it doesn't really end up in closure for them. So what a fun way to really help people get the closure they need. And then I'm sure you get some pretty interesting letters. Yes. And, um, yes. And, you know, you think they're all the same, but they're all very different, but you know, there is, you know, sometimes you read these letters and there was a lot of gaslighting and sometimes it's, we also, you know, in last week's episode where we did do closure episode, we did a closure episode. Um, what was interesting about that particular episode was that, um, you know, she still lets him have access to her social media. And even though he's done all these rotten things to her and I reminded her, I was like, the only reason you have him on your social media is because you think you're going to show him how, what he missed on, how beautiful I am. Look at him, how happy I am without you. When the reality is he does not care. He is looking at your stories when he's on the toilet or when he's just watching a movie he's seen before and he's laying on the couch, he's not actively looking at you. And if he really wanted to date you, he'd be dating you right now. So you're just doing it for yourself. And it's not, you're just putting way too much energy in this person that frankly didn't deserve it. And we knew this because of all the other things that you wrote prior to mentioning the Instagram story stuff. So, you know, I, I hope she received closure from listening to that, but I also hope that she blocked him or, you know, got him off her socials so that he doesn't have access to her life because it doesn't matter. I think that's really interesting because I have a lot of clients who come to me who they want to get someone else's energy field out of theirs. So they end a relationship and it could be a lot of times they're very toxic relationships because I coach women a lot and work with them on how to get out of toxic relationships which is an interesting thing to think about because you're trying to help people get into relationships. But a lot of times um, there's a history there of people always dating the wrong person because they're always choosing toxic relationships. Right. And so they, they come to me then and you know say, oh, can, I need to let this person go. But I find the same thing. It's like they say, I need to let this person go, uh, but I'm still accepting texts from them or I'm still, you know, I still let him call me or he comes by and 
that always is interesting. To, I understand it. I do. I understand it from one perspective, from being someone who was trapped in a toxic relationship and that it's hard to get out of it. It is. And on the other hand, as a third party objective person looking at it going, but you're giving him all access to you. Like there are no boundaries there. You haven't said no, get out, whatever, you know, that person knows that anytime they want to, they can come back in and you let them in, whether it's just a foot in the door through a text or showing up at your house, it's the same thing. You know, you give them an inch and people who don't understand boundaries will just like walk all over you. And so I think that you mentioning to that girl, you responding to her letter and also talking about blocking him and that's a great thing that you're doing for people because I think a lot of people don't understand. I think that's what's become popular with Ask a Matchmaker. So Ask a Matchmaker started actually as an Instagram story thing, which I still do three years on every Wednesday. People can ask me questions on Instagram stories. I usually receive anywhere between two and 300 questions on Wednesdays. And I'll usually pick about 25 or 30 questions to answer. Some of them are the same every week, every, every week, there's always going to be someone's like, what are we? And stuff like that. But, um, but my advice is very no nonsense, very deadpan. And I think that is, that is, I think something that our friends can't do. And I don't even talk to my friends like this. I can't talk to, if my friend is confining me about a relationship struggle, she's had, I'm not going to be like, break up with them. I, I mean, I might, there might be a derivative of that, but it's still going to be, you know, you're my friend, but when you take away the friendship, the emotional you know, the history you have with a friend and you ask me a question, it's going to be just like, here you go. And you'll see this. If you go on my Instagram feed, you'll see that I have the best of ask a matchmaker, um, in an, an entire column of black posts and that they're colored black with the white font. And you'll see just all of, all of the advice going down, you know, my feed. And it's, it's just interesting to see what go, what becomes very popular and what becomes popular is you need to hear this, yeah. you know, you need to listen to this because it it's, it's without all the frill, you know, um, last week, somebody asked me, um, uh, you know, is it okay to lie about my age online? I'm 40 and I look 27 and I put that I'm 35. And, you know, I wrote, first of all, you do not look 27. I just looked at your Instagram profile. Mm -hmm. But second of all, no, you should not be lying because you're just setting yourself up for a really shitty conversation after the fact, which is like, hey, I lied about my age, which is going to make people think, okay, what else are you lying about? And also you're not lying about like one year. Oh, I'm 40 and I put 39 to be a search. You're talking about a different generation. 40 year olds in, in 2021 are Gen X, 35 year olds are millennials. Like, you know, so think about these things. Yeah, I'm glad you put that out there. I think that was probably the one thing too that uh, was frustrating for me was the amount of people who think it's okay to lie about things that it's not okay to lie about. And I think that was the frustrating thing, which I think is the really cool thing about the matchmaking process and how you actually meet with people. So you know when people are lying to you, like you can always read somebody's energy. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny because sometimes they'll lie about some things that it's like, I'll start asking more questions. Like one time a woman came in and she said she was 50. And all I kept thinking was like, my mom at the time was like 58. And I remember thinking, wow, my mom looks incredible for her age. If this woman is 50, like, 
you know, cause she looked a lot older. And then when she started talking, she said like, you know, well, my mother, she recently passed away and like, she was 90. And I was like, wow, your mom had you at 40 in 19, like in 1950, that's like in like a 1960, like that's really old for 1960 when most women were getting married, like 19, 20, 21 years old. And so all of a sudden I started catching her on the line. It turns out that she was actually 68 years old. So she was lying by 18 years. And I was like, uh, yeah, I was definitely going to catch it because I look at your driver's licenses. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you use a matchmaker, you're also having someone Google and verify certain things too. But yeah. It's <laughs> a good thing for sure. It's a good thing that someone is vetted because uh, that was the one frustrating thing. And I think you have to be careful about is there are just a lot of people who just lie um, and you never know why, what is the motive? Why would you need to lie? But things about age, you know, that always just seems so silly to me. I've had that happen to me in the reverse where a guy was like, I'm 40. And I would start talking to him and he's like, well, actually I'm 29. I'm like, why do you want to date an older woman? First of all, like that's 10 years older, whatever. And, and this was a few years ago. And he's like, well, because if I had actually tell my age, you know, women don't really want to date me. I'm like, yeah, there's a reason for that. Like we don't want to raise. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so, so it's great that you actually do the research and, and someone. And also don't forget the photos. Like I think one of the, there's three reasons why people don't go out on second dates. And one of them is that you didn't meet their expectations look wise and has to do with your photos. And, you know, I had a client recently she sent me, I asked her, send me your way you're going on second dates. And she goes, why not? And I go, because I would be mad at you. I can see what you look like via zoom. And you just sent me these photos of you. And I'm like, this is not the same person. Yeah. Now everybody uses Snapchat filters or oh God, yes. filters. I don't, I don't get that. And especially when they send it to me, when you send me those photos, I'm like, I have to meet you. And when I meet you and you don't look like, you know, you have permanent eyeliner on like the perfect wing, the eyeliner, there's going to be a problem. Yeah. So yeah, that's, it's very, it's, there's definitely a difference uh, between those things. Yeah. So if you were just going to give some advice to somebody who was out there, who's kind of looking to jump into the dating scene again, but maybe they couldn't afford to work with a matchmaker, but they just would like to try it on their own. What piece of advice would you give them? So in a post-vaccine world, the best way to meet someone in 2021, I should totally make a TikTok about this. The best place to meet someone in 2021 is your friend's birthday parties this summer. So whoever has a birthday, June, July, August, you get onto your Facebook and you start looking through who has birthdays, June, July, and August. And you now contact them now and say, Hey, if you have a birthday party on June 15th, I want you to invite me. Cool. Cool. Next person. If you have a birthday, start inviting yourself, because let me tell you, remember the roaring twenties, that's because they had just survived a global pandemic that was worse than what we're going through right now. Okay. They saw, we saw mass death. They saw this is nothing compared to what they saw a hundred years ago. Okay. And we're about to have the best summer ever in the United States. Well, I want to hope people are going to want to meet other people. And the best way to meet someone is through friends. You have that bubble already. 
and people are going to be more open to talking to people. And I think, you know, that is the best advice I can give you right now is if you're single, hit up all of your summer baby friends and invite yourself, throw them a birthday party and make them invite their friends. Because, you know, the, the honest truth is that the best way to meet someone is through your friends. And the only reason why you should hire a matchmaker is if you want access to my friends or my network. So you should kind of think of it that way. Um, so these are the, the ways that I would tell, you know, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't want to use my service, or if you don't want to, if you don't, if you can't afford it, this is a really great way to match yourself. We do have another service for the, for people that might be experiencing dating fatigue, which is very popular right now. People have been online dating for a year and they're exhausted and I totally get it, but we do have, we do offer online dating management services. So a person on our team, her full-time job is to pretend to be you online and you just experience the dates without any of the fatigue. You don't do any of the swiping, you know, you'd approve the matches. We tell you who's responding to our communication. You approve who you like, and we just set up the zoom date or in-person date and it works really well. Yeah. That would be, take a lot of the headache out of it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So if anyone wants to utilize that service or even work with you or check out your your podcast or any, any of those things, how can they do that? The best place, you know, if you could go to my website, agapimatch.com and join our database. And from there, you know, we'll take over. You can also follow me on Instagram at matchmaker Maria and the link in my bio will take you to a, a variety of different sources, right? You can check out my podcast from there. You can book uh, an assessment with our chief operating officer, um, in regards to your chemistry, you can enroll in one of my group coaching intensives, which is geared towards, you know, smart and successful women. Um, and, and we'll find a way to work with you and help you meet your dating goals. Awesome. So there's a lot of resources for you out there, and I'm going to have all of the links to those in the show notes. So you can go there and click directly on there to get in touch. I love that. And I'm going to have to go check out your podcast to listen to the, uh, the closure letters. Because it's so I, good. It's so, so I, good. I <laughs> love that. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today. This was such a great conversation and I, I love what you're doing. So thank you for, for doing that. Well, thank you so much for having Melissa and um, I wish your podcast all the best. Thank you so much. And I want to thank all of you out there listening to us today. Thank you for joining us as always. If you like this podcast, please subscribe please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. You can leave me some stars on iTunes. And if you want to follow me on social media, I go live Mondays at 630 Central on Facebook, where I do a free card reading. And if you show up for the live, I'll pull a card especially for you. If you want to work with me, you can go to my website, melissaoatman.com. There you'll see all the services I offer. You can join my monthly membership, Awaken Your Magic where we do a free masterclass each month, a free group card reading. And then also I give you all kinds of tools like tappings, meditations, and manifestations and affirmations to help you live your absolute best life. I hope that you guys are having a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. And as always, I am sending you so much love and light. I will talk to you soon. Bye guys.